Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Matt Wolf. I'm the lead pastor here. I'm so excited you are here. You picked a good day to come. You picked a good day to watch online as well, although next week you better be here because it's going to be chili cook-off and it's going to be awesome. You guys are staying for lunch. You already have lunch plans. Cancel everything else. Um, it's going to be good. Um, some other things going on in our church. We have a special guest, a brand new staff member, kind of. This is, you may know her as Ariel Myers, but this is now Ariel Truckee. Could we welcome Ariel Truckee? Our good friend Ariel, our kids ministry director, just got married two weeks ago, and then she went on her honeymoon on a mission trip to Houston, as you do, um, which is, I think they have another one coming up later. But isn't that awesome? We just want to celebrate with her that she's now married. You guys are going to love Danny, too. So. Thank you, Ariel. I need to do embarrass her a little bit. Um, yeah, we're excited about that. One other thing uh, that going on in our church, two weeks ago we introduced our new campaign, Raise the Roof, because this historic Hangar 61, we love this building, it's on the historic registry, but it's having some issues with the roof. I even have a picture up here. Uh, this part is actual structural damage, so we are trying to repair it. We've asked you guys to step up and give. We're trying to raise $110,000 to not only repair all of the concrete that's damaged, but fix it into the future so we don't have any other issues going forward. Um, and, and you guys have stepped up this campaign we're calling Raise the Roof. Can you guys do that with me? Raise the Roof. And you guys have already generously donated almost a third of the money we're going to need, which is awesome. Thank you, guys. But we'd ask you, if you've been thinking about praying or praying about giving a gift, please do that. Um, you can mark it. If you give online, you can click the, the Raise the Roof Fund. If you're here in person, you can use one of the envelopes. We have a whole bunch of them in the back, or you can even just mark it on your check, Raise the Roof, and that will make sure to go there. Okay, so that's what's going on in our church, and today we are going to jump into our Belong series again, and we're just covering one enormous passage, one verse. I've, in, this, in this series, we've been diving into just one verse or two verses at a time because we've got to get it down, okay? Today we are learning about listening, and I don't just mean you should pay attention to me and listen to me, though you should, but that we need to grow as listeners, don't we? I will be the first to admit that I am not a good listener. You can ask my wife. Okay? I, 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 I need to grow as a listener. In fact, my daughter, who's not even three yet, has learned to say, Daddy, listen to me. <laughs> just came out of her. She also says, Daddy, one question. She doesn't have a question. She just wants me to focus on her. <laughs> Maybe ask her one question. I don't know. But she wants me to listen to her. My wife wants me to listen to her. I, I realize that I need to grow. So I am not going to teach today out of personal experience. I'm not going to be the expert up here teaching you. And in fact, this is probably the message where I'm going to teach you out of my weakness rather than my strength. But I'm coming to you saying, I need to grow as a listener, and I don't think I'm the only one. Right? Am I right? Some of you in here are saying, yeah, Matt, I need to grow as a listener as well. That's what we're going to do. This is a very practical message that we're going to do today. So whether you're a follower of Jesus or you aren't sure at all about faith, aren't a believer, this is going to be a really practical message for everyone today. It's going to be so good because we need to grow as listeners. And I think, as we've seen in this entire series, that our modern technology has actually hurt our communication and our relationships. We online post about everything, you know, whether we went to that new brunch place or saw that latest <coughs> movie or hated that politician's speech. We say all the things, but everything we say is about us. It's my opinion, my thought. We tweet it. It's like a megaphone to the world. Everyone should listen to what I think. But guess what? We don't care about your status, right? 
But we are so focused on ourselves, and I think technology has enabled us, and it, I don't know if enables the right word, but it has led us to be more focused on what we say about ourselves. We're always talking about ourselves. And this is a problem because it breaks down relationship. It's hard to have relationships to people that are always talking about themselves. And that's what we've been trained to do now online. We talk about ourselves all the time. And it doesn't lead to conversation, and it definitely doesn't lead to relationship. You know, uh, I, I, maybe you've seen the old skit, but I was reminded of it this week. Um, the guy's talking and talking all about himself, and he gets finished. He said, okay, enough about me. Let's talk about you. What do you think about me? Isn't that how we? Isn't that how we? Have you ever been at the party with the one upper? You know what I'm talking about, the one upper. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's you. <laughs> the one upper, and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, you know. Um, we just tried that brand new restaurant that opened up down the street, and the person's like, well, I saw Bobby Flay at an airport once. <laughs> okay, thanks. You're like, uh, yeah, I just got back from a mission trip to Kenya. It was amazing being out there in Africa. And they're like, oh, I saw the new lion cub at the zoo. <laughs> Thanks. That's, that's good. You're like, oh, yeah, my son, I'm just so proud of him. He pitched a perfect game at the baseball game last night. Well, my son ate an entire Domino's pizza. <laughs> like, okay. Well, I, you know, the one up, you know what I'm talking about? It's like not even barely related, but we're always one-upping each other because we want to talk about us, not about you. Want to talk about me? Want to talk about mine, right? You know what I'm talking about. We are so self-focused, and it hurts and hampers our relationships. We need to work on it. We need to work on it, and that's what we're going to learn today, just a very practical lesson about how we can grow as listeners because we need to. We need to desperately. And in this series we've called Belong, we've looked at this specific moment in time where we have never been more connected Technologically, you're only three and a half people away from every other person on the entire globe. You can connect with anybody. You can Skype with people overseas at any moment and see them. We've never been more connected, yet we've never felt more alone. That our loneliness and isolation are, are at all-time highs. And these two things we've talked about, how they kind of go hand in hand. And in this series, we've begun to find some solutions. So if you're just jumping in, it's okay, I'm going to catch you up here. So in the first week, we talked about how we need to find the father and his family. To find the father and his family. Because we have a father in heaven who loves us, who cares about us. In the passage we looked at in Psalm 68, it says that God is a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows. Meaning our God sees people who lack relationship and want relationship, and he is there to love and care for that person. He says, I want a relationship with you. And we all long for it. In that passage, too, it said that God sets the lonely in families. That God just doesn't say, hey, I'm enough for you. You need other relationships around you. God wants us to have relationships. We talked about how the church is actually one of the best and maybe the best place to find those relationships. So we challenged you guys in the, the second week to, if we can uh, look at that big idea, we challenged you to show up. It's very simple, right? Show up so we can all grow up. It's a very simple skill that you need to master is to show up. Okay? But we talked about how important that is because we become so isolated. Our technology allows us to watch Netflix all weekend, never interact with anybody. You know, you can even go to the supermarket and never talk to a soul even though you're surrounded by people. You know what I'm talking about? 
But we've got to show up so we can have conversations with people. And if we do that, we all can grow up. It doesn't just help you. It helps other people as well. And our community groups, we believe, are one of the best ways to do that. We challenge everybody to choose community and be in a community group. Some of you guys kicked off those community groups over the last few weeks. And I don't know if you've noticed this. Does anybody have a bulletin? Anybody get one on their way in? You do? Hold it up. I don't know if you knew this. In the middle of the bulletin, we have our community group questions. Oh, yeah. If you've been coming for a while, you know that we put those in there every week. But we do that so you can take those questions, look at them, even write down some answers, and come prepared for community group that week. So if you've been doing that, hey, take that. This week, look at those questions. They're great for discussion, and they allow you to show up and build relationships. And we need to do this, as we learned in the third week, because second place wins. In the kingdom of heaven, when we follow Jesus, we need to reframe our entire way of thinking. It's not about us. It's not about me. It's about making others first, lifting others up. And when we say, hey, I'm going to put somebody else first, we actually win. And that's the mindset of following Jesus. Second place wins. And then last week, Sawyer Trap jumped in. And I have to say this. If you missed all the other messages in the series, go back and listen to Sawyer's message. It was great. It was really good because he taught us that vulnerability prevents invisibility. That we can learn like Paul to lead with our weakness and say, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. I can tell you some of the hard things that I've gone through, the difficulties in my life, my weaknesses. And when we do that, it's hard to open up with your vulnerabilities like that. But it actually builds more relationship. You are more seen than when you're on Instagram trying to make the perfect selfie, right? At the right angle. No, you're actually going to be seen better if you're vulnerable. And it's hard. And this last week, Sawyer and I did one of our podcasts. We do a midweek podcast here called The 10,000 because there are 10,080 minutes in a week. And you only come to church for about 80 of them a week, right? So The 10,000 podcast. We talked about the details of how do you actually be vulnerable. So go back and listen to that as well. It's a short podcast with very practical tips on how to be vulnerable. And building on that this week, we're going to learn to listen up. To listen up because we struggle with listening. We need to learn how to do this. And this is, again, a very practical, down-to-earth message that you're going to walk away from here, not only with a good idea of what it means, but also some very practical tips to apply it to your life. So what I want you to learn today, it's very simple, is that everyone longs for a listener. Everyone longs for a listener. This is what we all care about and long for. We love to have people listen to us. That's why we talk so much about ourselves. Because really what we want is a listener. I, I know it too because some of you guys pay $150 a week to pay someone to listen to you. <laughs> In James 1.19, we read, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen. Slow to speak and slow to become angry. This is going to be our passage for today. Very short. But if you've heard it before, maybe you weren't listening. Or maybe you didn't apply it. Because we need to get better as listeners. So we need to be quick to listen. If everyone longs for listening, did you see that James says that everyone should be quick to listen? It doesn't say a few people should be quick to listen. It doesn't say people who are counselors and therapists should be quick to listen. It doesn't say your mom should be quick to listen. It says everyone should be quick to listen. Everyone longs for a listener. We all need to learn to listen. It's what we're all longing for, and we can be that for other people. So that's my challenge to you today, to become that quick listener who's willing to listen to people, sit down, care about people. And I think we all long for a listener, and I think that this short little video is going to show you 
Why? Let's watch this video. It's just, there's all this pressure, you know? And sometimes it feels like it's right up on me. And I can just feel it. Like, literally feel it in my head. And it's relentless. And I don't know if it's going to stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me the most, that I don't know if it's ever going to stop. You have a nail in your head. It is not about the nail. Are you sure? Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there. Stop trying to fix it. No, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing. You always do this. You always try to fix things when what I really need is for you to just listen. See, I don't think that is what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail out. See, you're not even listening now. Okay, fine. I will listen. Fine. Sometimes it's like there's this achy. I don't know what it is. <laughs> I'm not sleeping very well at all. And all my sweaters are snagged. I mean, all of them. That sounds really hard. Thank you. Ow! Come on. If you would just. Don't. It's not about the nail, right? You had that conversation? I think we all have, because we're trying to fix the problem the other person has. But what do they want? They just want someone to listen to them. Just want someone to, we all long for listeners. We long for people to listen to us and care about us, because that shows that they care about who you are, what you're saying, what you're feeling, what you're going through. Everyone longs for a listener. So that's our challenge to you today. Now, this passage is in the book of James, a very short little book, five chapters in the New Testament. And I don't know if you knew this, but James was Jesus' brother. And James, people call it the wisdom of the New Testament because it's so practical for your life. So practical, so like, hey, this is what you should do. This is how you should live it out. If you read the rest of this chapter and into chapter two, it's all about, hey, you have this faith. It doesn't just stay in your head. It's not supposed to stay in your head. It's supposed to actually change how you live. Don't just think it. Do it. And that's what he's saying. Hey, be a listener. Be quick to listen. But he doesn't just stop there. He says, also be slow to speak. Slow to speak. And these things go hand in hand because we are quick to speak, slow to listen. He's saying, no, 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 you've got to reverse it. You've got to reverse it, especially with our technology. You've got to reverse it. Instead of thinking what you're going to say, be slow to speak and quick to listen. Because we're like the guy in the video, always trying to fix the problem, right? Or sometimes the only reason we listen is so that we can take time to come up with our own statement and our comeback or how we can win the argument. You been there? I'm just saying some people might have been there. We listen to speak. No, no, no. We should listen first quickly and be slow to speak. Take our time because maybe you don't need to speak or maybe you need to say something different or maybe the thing they're saying isn't really about the problem. It's about what's going on in their heart. That they're struggling. They have an issue. They just want to be loved. And that's why we need to learn to listen better, actually to be the listeners that everyone longs for in our lives. So that's what I want to challenge you to do. In Proverbs eleven twelve, we read, The one who has understanding holds their tongue. The one who has understanding, the person who's respected, the person who we should look up to, they're the, person, the people that we like are the people that hold their tongue. They're slow to speak. You, all of us have that one friend who we can call up and they'll listen to us. We love that person. We need that person in our life. So let's be that person for somebody else. 
you know, originally I was going to title this message, Shut Up, <laughs> instead of Listen Up, but I figured some parents would be upset about me. But really, you need to shut up sometimes. Okay? Let's just say, just shut your mouth. Okay? You need to be quiet. Don't speak first. Listen first. And then speak second. Because we don't understand people the way that we think we do. We don't. And Stephen Covey, in his great book, Seven Habits for Highly Effective People, said, if I were to summarize in one sentence the single most important principle I have learned in the field of interpersonal relations, it would be this. Seek first to understand, then to be understood. Seek first to understand, then to be understood. I mean, that's a business book, right? A lot of you have read that. And I love that it, it, it takes somebody repackaging biblical truths to be a bestseller today, right? <laughs> like, he didn't come up with that. That's scriptural, isn't it? That's what James is teaching us to do, to be slow to speak but quick to listen. We should try to understand other people, listen to them where they're coming from. That is what it takes and what we need to do as followers of Jesus, to be quick to listen. Because we are not good at reading other people, but we think we are. I recently read Malcolm Gladwell's new book, Talking to Strangers. And there's a section in it where he does this word game. So I'm, are you guys good to do this word game with me today? Oh, it'll be a little fun, right? Let's do a word game. Okay, so we're going to do this word game, and I'm going to give you a couple letters, and then there's also going to be a couple blanks to fill in, right? And I want you to just write down or think of the word that could quickly fill in those blanks, right? The first word that comes to your mind. You don't, don't overthink it, just write it down, or you can, you can take your notes on your phone, or even just think about it in your head. So if I give you the word GL blank blank, I might fill it in as G-L-U-M, glum. Okay. That's a pretty good word, right? Second one, if I give you blank blank T-E-R, you could fill it in as H-A-T-E-R. You're thinking, man, that's pretty bleak. It's pretty negative. Glum and hater. Okay. So now I'm going to give you a whole list of words, and I want you to take a minute and fill them in. So S blank blank R-E, B-O blank blank, C-H-E blank blank, blank R-A blank, blank 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 E-A-T. So take a minute, fill that in, write it down, put it in your head. You guys didn't think you'd be playing games this morning, did you? Okay, so I'm going to give you just uh, some ones that I could have filled in if we look at this. I could have put scare, I could have put bore, cheat, trap, defeat. Now if you look at all those words, and I was to ask myself, what does this say about me? Does it mean that I'm negative and down and cynical? And I would say no, absolutely not. You could have filled in the words, and I'd like to see yours maybe afterwards, as glad, water, score, boat, cheer, cram, repeat. And if I did that, would that mean I'm very optimistic? That I think I'm going to win? I'm a happy-go-lucky person? Or I'm competitive, maybe? So the question is, what does this say about me? Now, I don't think it says anything about me, right? Okay, so what... A team of researchers did, some psychologists at the University of Stanford, Stanford um, led by Emily Cronin, took this word game and they gave it to a group of participants. And they said, okay, the same rules, fill in the blanks. And then they asked them after they filled in all those, and those were the same 
words, those letters that they used. And they said, okay, now what do, do those words say about you? Simple question, right? What do those words say about you? Do you know what almost every participant said? Nothing. It means nothing about me. Because um, it was just the words that came to my mind first, and I kind of got on a roll, and I just filled in the blanks. It was whatever words I could think of. It doesn't mean that I'm a depressed person or a cynical person or an exciting person or a competitive person. It doesn't mean any of that. Because people say, hey, uh, it's just random. But then what really made this study interesting was they took those exact same fill-in-the-blank letters from other participants. And they gave, hey, this is what somebody else who you've never met, never seen, filled out. What does this say about them? And what do you think people did? This person's really competitive. This person is depressed and cynical all the time. This person needs some help. This person is having some issues at work. I mean, they created entire stories about people. But it didn't say anything about themselves, right? See, this is what Emily Cronin and her team wrote together in a paper. And I love the title of her paper because this was their conclusion too. Uh, It was, you don't know me, but I know you. The illusion of asymmetric insight. Asymmetric insight. This is the idea that we think, we know what other people are thinking, feeling, what their personality is like, that we can judge them, but they can't judge us. I'm complicated. I'm like an onion with layers. It's more subtle, you know. But we know exactly what other people are thinking and going through. We can judge them very quickly. This asymmetric insight. You guys know what I'm talking about here? I think it's so interesting that it says about ourselves, we think we understand other people, but they don't understand me. But the reality is, is we don't understand people just the same way. They're just as nuanced. They're just as much of an onion as you are. Sometimes we can know someone's blind spot, but most of the time the biggest blind spot is us thinking we know so much about this other person. What it takes to actually get to know people is listening. We've got to grow as listeners. We don't know other people as well as we think we do. Proverbs 18.13 even says, to answer before listening is foolish and shameful. Not only is it stupid, but it's disgraceful to do that. We need to be quick to listen, slow to speak. To answer before listening is foolish and shameful. So we need to learn to do that. I mean, this is all of our relationships, not just marriage. This is with your kids, kids with your parents. It's at work. It's with your coworkers. It's with your employees. Employees, it's with your boss. We think we know what the other person's thinking, but so often we have the conversation, we ask some questions. Oh, that's what you meant. We assume the worst about other people. But we need to learn to seek to, be, to understand others before we seek to be understood. But it wasn't just slow to speak in the passage. Did you see what James wrote next in, verse, in chapter 119 of his book? He said, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Slow to become angry. I think those kind of go hand in hand, right? We're not listening to the person. We talk too much, and then we get angry at them because we misunderstand them. Those things kind of build on one another. And, and James is saying, hey, let's do the opposite. Slow down. Quick to listen, slow to speak, and even slower to become angry. Man, social media has made us angry people. Because we hear what other people say because they're sharing their unfiltered thoughts. And we haven't taken the time to listen, not to just what they've written, but who they are, where they're coming from, their angle. So we get so angry at them. 
I don't know if you've seen this meme, but I think it uh, explains our current situation pretty well. Everyone I don't like is Hitler. A child's guide to online political discussion. Man, when we actually do talk with others, it just makes things worse. I avoid comment sections like a plague. Like, I don't want to read that. It's just angry people yelling past each other, right? And this is what happens in real life then. Now it's not just somebody unfriending you. They're really unfriending you. Because we're talking past each other. We're not taking the time to listen to each other and really get to know each other. And it's causing even more issues. There's another proverb I want you to see. In Proverbs 10:19, it says, Too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. A.K.A. shut up. Okay, we're talking too much. And when we talk too much, it leads to sin. It's an anger that's not a righteous anger, not a good anger. It's too quick. Even if the person is wrong, we disagree with them. Man, we just leveled them with that comment online or even that comment in person. You have hurt them to their core because we really haven't taken time to listen. Maybe if you sat down with the person and listened to them, you'd still disagree maybe, but you'd say, oh, okay, I understand where you're coming from. You're a real person, and I'm not going to say that thing that's so nasty. This is who we need to become, listeners, true listeners. And I honestly think that the biggest reason why we need to be good listeners is because our Father in heaven is a good listener. God is quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Did you know one of the most common refrains about God, I think occurring over a dozen times in the Old Testament, is what we see here in Psalm, in the Psalms. In Psalm 103.8, it says, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger. Same phrase. Slow to anger, abounding in love. Over and over again, when, when God introduces himself to Moses, he says, hey, I'm slow to anger. This is something you should know about me. I'm slow to anger. Again and again and again, this is what God says about himself and other people say about him. He is slow to anger. Think about it. God's a listener. How often does he listen to you complaining or angry? That's what prayer is, right? If you read through the Psalms over and over again, there's angry dudes. Even David himself was angry, crying out to God. God, why did you do this? How could you allow this? And God listens in love because he's a good listener. To us too. Even to Jesus on the cross when Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And God listened and loved. Our Father is slow to anger. He listens to us and loves us. And some of you are like, what, what are you talking about? I've read through some of the Bible, especially the Old Testament. There's a lot of anger in there. What about the wrath of God? What about that hell place? So, it is true that there's a lot of wrath of God and anger in the Bible. But read through the prophets. And I know you've tried and you've probably fallen asleep. Okay, well, try it again. Because you read it. Did you know there are 17 prophets in the Old Testament? Major and minor prophets? There's a lot of them. And those major prophets are long. Isaiah 66 chapters. Right? I know you guys have that memorized, but not all of us do. That's a lot of prophets, right? It's over a quarter of the Bible are these prophets. And they're prophets, as you read through them, bringing a message of anger from God to his people. And we read that and say, oh my gosh, that's an angry God. That's not a slow to anger God, a compassionate God. But think about how many books and how long God took before he actually brought about judgment. It was hundreds of years, in some cases thousands of years, before God actually brought about the judgment. 
God gave people again and again another warning, another warning, another warning. You read through the book of Jonah, there's this warning. I mean, Jonah was like the most phenomenal preacher of all time. He said, repent. And they repented. They were all like, because God was about to destroy him, and then he doesn't destroy him, right? You read that book, Jonah. It's not just a guy falling in a fish's mouth, right? Okay, there's this amazing repentance that happens to these people, and then God doesn't destroy the Ninevites. See, God is giving all these warnings, 17 books, so that people will turn from their sinfulness that is destroying themselves and destroying the people around them. See, God is very, very, very slow to anger. He's very compassionate. He gives us so many opportunities. In fact, in Romans chapter 2, verse 4, it says, His kindness, forbearance, and patience, God's kindness, is intended to lead you to repentance. God is slow to anger. And that's how we can learn to be as well. We shouldn't be amazed that a good God would send someone to hell. What we should be amazed at is that God doesn't send all of us to hell right now. See, God is very slow to anger. He's very kind and he gives opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to repent. And then even when we don't repent, while we are still sinners, it says, while we are God's enemies, God sent his own son Jesus Christ, to live for us and die for us. See, Jesus walked among us and showed us the compassionate, caring, listening side of God. And Jesus spent all sorts of time with the lowest people, the prostitutes that no one would go near, the outcasts, the lepers who no one wanted to touch because their skin condition could get on you if you're just too close to them. Jesus spent time with them and he loved them. He listened to them and cared about them. And then that same Jesus went to the cross to die in your place. While you were a sinner, while you were his enemy, he said, I love you so much and am so slow in my anger that I'm going to put that anger on somebody else so you don't ever have to experience it. That's what we call the gospel, which literally translates to good news. The good news that if you put your faith in that Jesus Christ, all your sins can be forgiven. And this God of compassion says, you are forgiven once and for all time. That's a compassionate God. And if He is our God, if God is our Father, if Jesus is our Lord, then we too should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Like our Father in Heaven. Like Dad. So that's why I want to challenge you. Because everyone longs for a listener. We all long for those relationships. And we're being charged to be that listener to somebody else. To care about people and love them enough. And and guess what? It's going to help your relationships in turn. When you're willing to sit with someone and listen to them, when they unload on you and unleash on you, even saying some angry things and you're just listening to them, they're going to experience your love and your compassion. And it's going to build up your relationships. You're going to feel less isolated because people are going to love to talk with you and spend time with you. And that's what I want to be for other people. I want to be that type of listener. Anybody else in with me? Okay, so because of that, let's get even more practical. I want to give you extremely practical tips for how to be a better listener. And they're not just coming from me. I've gathered them from a bunch of different sources. But I did put them together in a really handy acronym for you. You can thank me later. So you can take notes because you need it. If you're listening, take some notes. So I want you to become a listener. So to listen, you need to L, lose the distractions. Okay? Lose the distractions. 
Whatever it is that's distracting you away from thinking about the person right in front of you, lose it. Maybe it's your busyness. Here's a little tip. We're all busy. It's a little secret for you. We're all busy. So we need to lose our busyness. Not tell people we're in a busy, not be hurried. If you're in too much of a hurry and too busy to spend time with the people you care about, you're doing the wrong things. We need to lose the distractions of our busyness. Maybe the distractions are in your mind. Does anybody have a problem turning off their brain? Me. We need to lose those distractions too. I've been trying a thing and... I don't know, you can ask Melissa, it's probably has mixed results, but I've been trying when I drive home from work and all these things are going on in my mind, I'm thinking about all the things I need to do the next day, I've been trying to stop and pray. Say, God, you handle all this stuff tonight. <laughs> Help me now to focus on my wife and daughter because it's hard. I still get distracted, lose the distractions, even if it's just stopping to think about them. Here's another thing to lose, your phone. Isn't that the biggest distraction we have right now? Lose the distraction of your phone. When you're at the dinner table, no phones at the dinner table. I mentioned a book that I've read for this series called Alone Together by Sherry Turkle. And when she interviewed a bunch of kids and teenagers, do you know what their request was? That their parents would stop bringing their phones to the dinner table. That their parents wouldn't be on their phone when they pick them up after school. That their parents would put away the phone and the laptop when they're at their game. The kids, it wasn't the parents telling the teenagers to leave the phone away. It was the kids longing for that relationship with their family. What if that's your family time? I've shared already some of the statistics that in one survey said people in their very last conversation, 84% of people responded that they were distracted or interrupted by a phone. 84% of people said in their last conversation. And 82% of those people said the conversation suffered because of it. Even if the phone is just sitting on the table and doesn't, Vibrate or ding. So lose the distraction. Put the phone in your pocket. Put it away. Keep it in your car. I've been doing a thing, and it was hard to do at first, but I have a thing called screen time on my phone. If you have an iPhone, you have it. It's built in. There's, a, there's other apps that do this. But I don't even have the password for it. I give it to Melissa, and, and from 5.30 to 9 every night, I can only, I could take a, receive a phone call if I have to, but I can't access anything else on my phone. And it was hard at first because I'm addicted to my phone. I've confessed that. But it is so nice not to have those distractions. And I think it's helped our conversation, our relationships better. So lose the distractions. That's the first thing. The second one, be interested. Be interested in the other person. Take time to actually be interested. Don't say, that's a boring conversation. I don't care about that topic. Because guess what? No person can compete with the 4K streaming video of Netflix of your favorite drama. I mean, real life is boring compared to that. Okay? But you've got to be invested in the other people and be interested by what they are interested in. It's a choice. It's based on time we invest. Think about the same thing with those dramas. If you've ever watched a soap opera, and I'm not confessing that I have, but if you have, <laughs> at first you're like, this is ridiculous, this is stupid, how could anybody like watching that? Two or three episodes in, though, you're like, come on, Martha. Don't cheat on him. What are you doing? All of a sudden, because you've watched them, you've spent time with them, you're invested in these characters, right? It's the most ridiculous plot lines ever constructed. But you're invested because you've spent time with them. So we need to do the same thing for the people we care about. When they talk about that person at work, instead of them just remaining nameless, say, hey, I want to meet that person. Go to the work function so you can get to know the people that they're talking about. Get to know their life. If they're talking about a book that you haven't read, maybe I should read that. 
Get it on Audible. I can listen to it. Use my technology for good. Find the things that they care about and become invested in them. Be interested. It's a choice that we make. So that's the second tip. The third one is the S. Show your listening. That listening is not just your ears, but it's your whole body. People are looking for that in a listener. Even if you're a great listener, but people don't know it, you're not a great listener. Okay, so show it. Got that? Show your listening. Nod your head. Have eye contact. Have eye contact. Face them, which may mean you have to turn off the TV. Okay, guys like to do things shoulder to shoulder, but we need to learn to do things face to face. Look at the person. Care about them. Show them with your body language. Even that simple idea of mirroring, have you heard that? Okay, if they lean back, you lean back. If they lean forward, you lean forward. Because you're showing them that you're listening to them with your body. That's a really important skill to learn. Show them you're listening. And the T is going to be tell them what they said. This is when you should talk, is by repeating what they just said to you. You can summarize it in your own words. But this is so important for listening because a lot of times when you do that, the other person is like, no, 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 that's not quite right. I actually meant this. I said, I, I want you to go get some milk, but I didn't mean to leave right now. When you go to the store next time, get me some milk. Avoid a lot of conversations and fights. <laughs> if you just repeated back what the other person said to you. Tell them what they said. And that leads to the E, which is engage with questions. You're talking now, should be telling them what they said, and then engaging them with follow-up questions. What did you mean when you said that? Well, what's going on? Because we really don't understand them fully until we've asked several follow-up questions. And then sometimes we finally get to the heart of the issue. We have to engage with questions. Now, this is so important. Okay, I know, husbands, we get the bad rap for listeners because we're terrible listeners. We are. Let's admit it. But wives, I want to challenge you. When your husbands do say something, it's important. Or moms, when your teenage sons say something, it's really important. You've got to ask those follow-up questions to engage them. And I'm praying for you, moms. I'm praying for you. Engage with questions. Ask follow-up questions. What did you mean when you said And then the last one is to note it. Note it. Remember what they said. If you did all these things and listened to them or intent, looked at them, repeated what they said, and then you walk away from the conversation and forget everything they said, you're not a good listener. Take some memory. And this may really mean physically writing it down. There's nothing wrong with that. Let's admit we don't have the greatest memories. Take your phone out and use that for good. Sometimes when I'm having an important conversation with Melissa and it's detailed, I'm like, wait a second, let me take some notes. I'll get out my phone and I'll tape the notes because then I have it with me and I'll review it because I forget stuff. I'm forgetful. And this goes with names too. We are all bad at names, okay? There's another secret. Everybody's like, oh, I'm just bad with names. No, we all are. It's hard to remember names. I have a hard time remembering all your names. I'm trying, so forgive me. But here's the thing. When we work at learning someone's names, I try to say it multiple times, and I still forget them. <laughs> say it multiple times, and sometimes I'll write them down, write a little note about the person. Like, okay, this person. Okay, I've got to remember this. Note it. I'll tell somebody else about it. I'll go home and tell Melissa, I met so-and-so today, and this is what their name was, this is where they're from. And she's like, I have no idea who that is. But I'm doing it because I need to remember. Okay, We've got to work to note it to remember names. And I'm sorry if I forgot your name, because it's hard. It's hard to do this, but we've got to learn to do it. And I know, and you do too, that when someone forgets your name, it hurts. 
I remember in college, my worship leader at my church, I went up to him and I was like, hey, I'm a musician. I'd love to play. I'd love to play with you anytime. Whatever you need, I'll, I'll be there to back you up. And I met him, got to know his name. He heard mine. Well, a month passed. I didn't hear anything from him. So I went up again. Hey, I'm a musician. I'd, I'd love to play. My name's Matt. I introduced myself again and he had no recollection drives. Okay. Still didn't remember me. Well, then it just so happened that his thesis advisor for his master's degree was my advisor as well. And it, as a sample, he said, read this thesis from this guy. So I read this guy's master's thesis. Now, it was like his advisor and not his mom who read that thesis. Not, not even his mom would read that, right? So boring. But I read his master's thesis, and I go up and talk with him after church one day. Hey, I read your master's thesis. And he's like, who are you? So I talked with him about it. Go up again another month. He didn't remember me. I, I moved away from college, and I saw him a year later somewhere else. Still didn't know who I was. Do you know how that feels? It hurts. I'm like, man, I know way more about you than you know about me. You don't even know who I am. Don't recognize my face. You know, it's hard to learn someone's name. And I remember how that made me feel, and I don't want to do that to other people. So that's why I'm apologizing, because I'm sure I've done it to you. And, and we need to learn to note names, to remember them, to memorize them, to take the time to do that. So this is real practical stuff, right? Just applying what James says to our modern situation. L, lose the distractions. Be interested. Show you're listening. Tell them what you said. Engage with questions and note it. So as the band comes up right now, I want to challenge you guys. You might need to work on all six of these, but just pick one. What's the one that you're really struggling with? Is it the distractions of your phone? Is it the telling them what you said? You're, you're not repeating things. You think you heard everything, but then a week goes by and you had it all wrong. Okay, pick one of those to work on. And I want to challenge you guys to do that. Just pick one of those things and work on that skill so that we can become the listeners other people want. Because everyone longs for a listener. Let's pray. Lord God, um, you're challenging us to step up. Those of us who are followers of Jesus, we want to follow the way of the Father the way of Jesus, to be slow to speak but quick to listen, slow to become angry, just like you are. And Lord God, I pray that we would be the people in this world who would be the good listeners so other people around us would want to spend time with us and it would help our relationships and show your love to them through us. For those in here who haven't made that decision to follow you, Lord God, I pray that they still could learn this such practical wisdom for their life, that they could grow as listeners. Lord God, our world doesn't need more speakers who share their opinions. We need more people who are listeners. Because we Lord God, be with us as we go out here and help us grow as listeners. In Jesus' name, amen.